Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of our desires on Exploring Missions is to get the local church really missional. If you look at churches that have multiple staffs, You'll have those, it's the minister of media, the minister of recreation, the minister of publication, and uh, hopefully all of them are missional, but I mean, that's our desire. Everything that we do should be missional, but it seems like uh, a lot of that, that that we do is for our comfort more than for the purpose of carrying out the Great Commission. Again, I don't want to be... I'm not down in, we want to come to the aid of the church, but sometimes we need to ask churches what we do when we take the Lord's Supper. When it does, when we take the Lord's Supper, said, let a man examine himself to whether he be in the faith. Now, that's not just whether he's saved or not, but also is he he faithful in doing what God's called. So here on Exploring the Missions, sometimes we want to ask churches and individual Sunday school classes, because I know a lot of Sunday school classes that are as, as large as the early church, uh, one one local yeah. church body would be. What are you doing in the area of missions? Uh, I, we're just asking you to do everything you can to make missions a priority, because it was a priority in the Bible, wasn't it, Nathan? Absolutely. And, you know, we want to see this program help equip you and the church in making disciples, carrying out the Great Commission, making disciples of all the nations. And uh, we want to actually look at that passage here in just a little bit. But this specific teaching, training that we're talking about is the 411 of disciple-making. And so today, you hear us talking about the 411. You know what 411 is, right? Yes. So... You can actually dial. I guess, can you still do this? Uh, yes, you can. I haven't I, tried I, it lately. I hear it advertised anyway. Okay, so you can take your phone and dial 411 and get information about just about anything. Right. And you can ask questions or, or get basic general information, time and temperature and things like that. But there's actually a training called the 411 of disciple making, and we want to share that with you today. You can actually download an app for this that has it, and I, I'm actually following along on my app as I go through this, and it's simply 411 of disciple-making. Now, let me share this with you. Sometimes we give you information that we, Nathan and I, have just do a Bible study, and it's a Bible study he and I do, but part of missions is not trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, you find like this 411 that is so great. We want to pass on that information to others. So we're passing this on to you. We hope it whets your appetite so you'll dig in deeper That's in right. this. That's right. And so today we're just going to kind of model like a one-on-one type Bible study that you could do with someone. And so me and my dad are going to go through this kind of as a one-on-one Bible study, and you get to overhear it. So uh, if you'll read 
Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. This is what we call the Great Commission. Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. So just two questions about this passage. Who is Jesus talking to here? He is. He's talking to the disciples. I think it was. Was it says Jesus and his disciples. Yeah. Later on, it would be in Acts one eight where he had talked to five thousand. But here, I think it's just a small following, not the five hundred. It right. could be, but it's so. To a group. So basically, just Jesus' own followers. That's who he's. That's talking what to. he's talking to in verses sixteen and twenty. I think it said that. Yeah. Okay. It, it says the eleven disciples went away. Okay. So Jesus is talking to his followers. What is the main command of this text? Okay, if I did not know and had not been trained, I'd say go. Yeah, it sounds like it's to go. But yeah. what are you to go and do? Make disciples. Okay, so let's say make disciples is the main command. Uh, you obviously have to go to be able to make disciples. So two more questions, personal questions. So are you a follower of Jesus? I am. So does this command apply to you then? It does. Okay, so the command of making disciples applies to all followers of Jesus, right? Whoever that might be. Okay. Wow. Did you know that 98% of American Christians do not share their faith or make disciples? Hmm. Now, what do you think might be stopping us? Well, we've narrowed it down. There's four key reasons why Christians typically do not obey this command and make disciples, okay? The first reason is, most people don't know why God wants us to make disciples. Okay, so we need to know the why. That's the first reason. The second reason is most people don't know who to talk to. Who should I share this message with? Okay, so that's the key. The second key is we need to know who to, who to share this with. Third, we don't know what to share. So even if we knew who to share with and why we should be sharing, what do I say? Okay, so we're going to look at what we should share. And then the next reason is we don't know when we'll do it. It's, a, it's an issue of time and calendar. So we want to look at the why, the who, the what, and the when of disciple-making. So four questions that we're going to look at answers for. Now, is why the first one? Why is the first one. And so why does God want us to make disciples? Let's look at another passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay, some of you have this actually memorized the very first verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Okay, and we're going to read through 21. Okay, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Okay, so we're 
answering the question, why should we make disciples? And this gives us a, an idea of, of, of the answer to that. But look at verse 17 again. What does it say that happens to you or to us? It says things become new. Okay. So verse 17 says uh, we are new or you are new. So how did this happen? Well, verse 21 gives you an idea of how that happened. Read that for us if you don't mind. He, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we have some sort of exchange Exchange, happening. Yeah, Yeah, Jesus is exchanging, taking our sin upon himself, past, present, future sin, all of our sins, and he's giving us his righteousness. He did not sin. He never has and never will. I just got a comment. That's a good deal. It is. We got the good end of that. We do. And uh, so we're given Jesus righteousness. He takes our sin and cancels it and pays the penalty for that. And we are made new. The neat part of verse 17, old things, it's the old things are passing. Yeah. I found out it's just, it's, it's continual. Mm, always passing. Always right. passing. It, uh, you know, I've been following Christ now nearly 50, 56, 54 years. Mm. I've been a follower of Christ. I don't, awesome. I hadn't counted that up in a while. And guess what, Nathan? He's still working on me mm. to make me what I ought to be. And it's always becoming new. Always becoming new. The Amen. new things are coming and the old is passing. So why do you think God did this? Why would God send his son Jesus to exchange our sin for his righteousness? Well, 18 through 20 gives us that idea. It basically says that God is on a mission to reconcile the world to himself. So God has a mission. And it's this reconciliation that we've had, this exchange that we've had. He wants to do that around the world. In other words, he's repairing our broken relationship with him, and he's bringing us back to him. Do you see that there in I those do. verses? I do. He has given us. <laughs> yeah. So that's the kicker. Wow. The kicker is that God has made us his ambassadors. <laughs> so you could almost put your name in this blank. I, state your name, am God's ambassador. Imagine that. that. I, Nathan, am God's ambassador. Have you noticed when, uh, in political terms, when a new person comes president, how many people <laughs> want to be ambassadors to yeah. a country? Yeah. It's a privilege, right? It's a privilege. It really is. So he's given us this privilege of being ambassadors in his mission of reconciling the world. So in doing that, we've been given two things. Verse 18, it says we've been given a ministry. This ministry tells us who we are to reach. Can you read verse 18 again? Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay. Does that mean he's given us the closest thing to his heart? Yeah. I mean, I really believe I, I had not he's given us of, his heart. He's given us his heart. Yeah. What means the most to him, he's letting us be on the front lines. Yeah. That's, we get to participate man. in that. So we've been, each of us, we've all been given this ministry. But he's also given us a message. Look at verse 19. Uh, the message tells us what to say. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Okay, so that answers the question, why should we make disciples? 
it's obvious it's on God's heart. It's, it's, the, it's the heart of God's heart, and he's given that to us. Nathan, does that mean if he is only interested in us being saved and us not being ambassadors for him, the moment we got saved, he would take us on to heaven? Yeah, but think about this. Would we even be saved? Would we have heard the message if someone hasn't, hadn't come and talked to us about it? I I can tell you, uh, my best friend, he may be listening to that, I don't know, Bud Davis, he and I were best friends in elementary school and junior high, and when it came time for my salvation and Christ, Christ working in my life, Bud it would remind you, Bird, it's not walking the aisle, it's not being baptized, it's trusting Jesus with all your heart. And I, I mean, I'll never forget that. And uh, praise the Lord for those that come alongside us and yep. tell us the truth. Amen. All right. So speaking of your friend, the next question is, who should we talk to? Okay. And a lot of reasons why Christians don't share the message and don't make disciples is because, well, who, who do we speak to about this? Well, John chapter 4 tells the story of Jesus with the uh, Samaritan woman at a well. Can you kind of summarize that story real quickly? Yes. Uh, Jesus is transferring himself and his disciples on the way from Jerusalem, going north to Galilee. And the word says he had to go through, had to go through Samaria, which they shouldn't go. And when he got time to be hungry and thirsty, he sent those men on into town and he stayed there by himself. And a woman comes at the well at a time when all the other women have come and gone. So she comes at a time when nobody else is there. So she's kind of surprised to see him. But Jesus starts talking to her about could he have some water. And uh, the whole conversation is, she says, you're asking me, you're a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan, a woman, to give you drink. And Jesus said, if you knew of the water that I could give you, you'd ask of me. And that woman says, what do you mean? And she talks about the well that was dug. And Jesus lets her know he knows more about her than she wants than she wants him to know. And said, you've been married five times, and the man you're with now is not even your husband. And she said, I love this line, Nathan says, I perceive that you're a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's, yep. I, I perceive. And he began to tell her about the living water of God's word. She forgets her water jug, and she heads on into town and says, and notice it to the men, because women wouldn't have anything to do with her, come and meet a man that knows everything about me. Mm. Come meet a man. And they came out, and many of them were saved. Mm. That's John chapter 4. That's awesome. So let's look at four key points from that story, and you did a good summary of that. So who did the woman once she interacts with Jesus and she goes back to the village, who did she share with? She shared with those that she knew. Yeah, people absolutely. she knew. What did she share? She said, "Come meet a man mm-hmm. who 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 knows what who, who knows about me." me. Yeah. So in a way, she's kind of sharing her story with yeah. with the people, right? Yeah, she is. When you share your story with people, we, you can call that your your testimony or yeah. or your story. Yeah. Now. What else? I, I th- let me just throw this. Yeah. People, I think, listen, 
I think it'd do better in place of saying testimony, listen to my story mm-hmm. in today. Oh, absolutely. Because of the language issue. Testimony is more of a legal term. Yeah, and they'll scare them. And let me tell you my story, and it seems to be right. received a little better. That's right. Everybody loves stories. Yeah, they do. So it wasn't just her story, however, she was uh, alluding to. She was also wanting to hear about Jesus' story, right, or sharing exactly. about Jesus' story. So she shared with people she knew about her story, about Jesus' story, which we call that the gospel. But when did she share? Immediately. I yeah. mean, it, she didn't waste Absolutely. any time. Right, right then there, right? <clears throat> so if you look at another story in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is sending out his uh, followers. There's actually 70 of them out to share the gospel. And he sends them out to specific villages. He teams them up into pairs and says, hey, don't take all this extra stuff. You're just going to go to where I send you. And when you knock on the door and tell them, hey, I've come to bring a message of peace, there'll be a person of peace who wants to hear that story. So you come in and you heal and you preach and you tell them my story. Isn't this Samaritan woman an unusual person of peace? She was. She I mean, was you a, know, very unlikely. So you better be careful. God may open doors that you're not expecting. That's right. So these people of peace, we could call them God-prepared people. God had somehow, we don't know the whole rest of that story, but God had been working in their hearts to ready to receive this message of peace that uh, about Jesus. So there's three character qualities of a person of peace. First, they welcome the messenger, okay, the messenger that brings the gospel. So if you're out sharing this message, you're looking for someone who is open to you and welcoming to you. The second character quality of a person of peace is they receive the message that you're sharing. So they're not going to turn you away based on your message. They're going to be interested in hearing it. They may or may not receive it immediately as far as belief. They might not initially trust in Jesus, but they want to hear more at least. And the third quality of a person of peace is they extend their influence into the community. Like the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she had influence. It wasn't based on anything good she had done. She probably had a bad reputation. reputation. But when she said, hey guys, you want to hear everything there is to know about me? People were lining up to hear about it. Reminds me of a story happened in my home area up there to a man that, that I know and he was involved in the drug trade. Anyway, make a long story short, he he was saved. And uh, he was connected with a pastor. And uh, they would go go knock on the doors after he got saved to those people that he was in contact with. It was amazing how many people that mm. his contacts, again, were not that good. They were in bad uh, far as the world standard. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, care, you know, crosses all those barriers. Yeah. So a person of peace will allow the message that you're sharing to be spread among other people that they know. All right. So as we think about who to share with, I think we should always be looking for God-prepared people of peace. It doesn't always have to be random strangers and anybody and everybody we come in contact with. We want to talk to people who, are, who are, seem interested in the message that we're sharing. And so at this point, let's ask ourselves a couple of questions. One, am I a person of peace? Do I have a circle of influence that the gospel can spread through me? Do I have a lot of lost friends and family members, maybe work associates or neighbors around me that God wants to share with them through me? 
And then another question to consider is, who did God save me in order to reach? There's someone out there that one of the reasons that God saved me was so that I could go share with them. So who is that? And those two questions can help you get an idea of who to share with. And you want to do two things. You want to first make a, I call it a friend list. You could call it a relationship map. But what you do is you take a, just a blank piece of paper, eight and a half by 11, or even smaller if you want, and write your name in the center of that. And draw a circle around your name. And then draw four lines that kind of make an X or, or a T. It crosses the, uh, it divides the paper into four quadrants. And in one quadrant, you want to make a list, maybe two, three, four, five names of friends. Another quadrant, you make the same sort of list of relatives. Another quadrant, you make a list of associates, work associates or people that you hang out with. And then the other, you make a list of neighbors, people that live close to you. And you look at your list, and you want to put a star or asterisk beside the one or beside the ones that you know need to hear this message of Jesus. And then you begin praying for them on a, on a regular basis. You could pray uh, daily. You could fast weekly. And you pour out your heart to God for these people on your list. And you want to pray that God will give you the boldness and the opportunity to share this message with them. So now we've answered not only why we should share the gospel, why we should make disciples, but who should we make disciples with? The next question, you remember what it was? What? What? What should we share? So we've already seen uh, that, like the woman at the well, we, we have two parts to our, our message that we share. We share our story or our testimony, what God has done in our life to change us, and then Jesus' story or the gospel. Okay. Now, to share your story, it's really, really simple. And you can actually do it in about 15 seconds. Okay. It's real simple to share your story in 15 seconds. Here's how, and I want you to do this for me. Okay. Here's how you do it end this sentence with a couple thoughts. Okay. There was a time in my life when, and now you're going to share a couple thoughts about your life before you met Jesus. There's a time in my life where fear ruled my life, even as a 12-year-old boy, and it ruled my life, and I was fearful of everything. Okay. Now finish this sentence. Then I received Jesus' forgiveness and made him my, my Lord. So now... That fear has been taken away, and I can meet people, and I can face the future because I know who holds the future. All right. And the... And so that's all you have to do. That took about probably about 15 seconds. <laughs> there was a time in my life when, and what was your life like before you met Jesus? I know that sounds simplistic, but as a 12-year-old boy, fear ruled my life. Yeah, and, and who's going to argue with that? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that might be important, and God might line you up to speak to someone who's going through fear yeah, in their exactly. life currently. So then you say, I received Jesus' forgiveness and made him my Lord, so now my life is like, and you yeah. explain that. Yeah. And so if you know Jesus, you have a story like that. It doesn't have to be dramatic and involve drugs or, you know, terrorism or anything crazy. It could involve fear and it could involve shame and guilt. 
um, and, and sin. And it could involve him redeeming you. So you just want to practice that. And you could even change it up some, but practice until you're comfortable. And at the end, though, you want to add this question. When you're talking with someone, you add this question at the end. Do you have a story like that? And so that's important to remember to ask that question. And sometimes that person is going to say, no, not really. Well, then you want to share Jesus' story, okay? And there's lots of different ways you could share Jesus' story, sharing the gospel. There's lots of witnessing tools. Not to, Well, fairly long ago, we did an episode on this show called The Three Circles. You could use that. But basically, you want to include uh, four parts of uh, Jesus' story. Uh, God's judgment of man's sin, okay? Jesus' death on the cross, taking that, that punishment for man's sin. Uh, his resurrection from the dead and our response to that. Amen. And so you want to share the gospel and share Jesus' story. And people can respond in different ways. Uh, they might not be interested. That's okay. Keep looking for someone who is. They might be somewhat interested, so if they are, ask them, hey, do you want to sit down and do a, a Bible study with me sometime? But then they really might be very interested, and you give them opportunity right there on the, on the spot to follow Jesus. Um, so the last question is, when should we do it? We talked about why we should make disciples. Uh, we talked about um, who we should make disciples among. We talked about uh, what we should say to people. But now we want to look at uh, when we should do it. And it's pretty simple. But let's read Matthew chapter 7. And we'll read verses 24 through 27. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. We want to look at, there's two people in the story and they have something in common. And they also have something different. So let's look at that. Matthew chapter 7. Verses uh, 24 through 27. So verse 24 says, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it did not collapse, because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed, and its collapse was great. So there was a wise and a foolish person. Uh, what do they have in common? Same circumstances. They're mm -hmm. building their house, but they're building their house on two different things. Yeah, and they, and they both hear Jesus' words. Yes, they do. Okay. So how are they different? One responds one way. Where? They build their life. Yeah. What they do with their life. One hears and obeys, and one doesn't obey. Exactly. To Jesus' words. Same things happen to both of them, the rains and the floods and the That's winds. Right. So where and when we make disciples is pretty much immediately. You know, that's the answer. And to be obedient is we hear Jesus' words and go out and do it. And uh, we do it immediately. We don't put it off. What's the name of this app that people yeah, can turn it's to? It's the 411 of Disciple Making. And we would invite you to invest your life in that so you can make a difference with your friends, your relatives, your associates, and your neighbors. And when you do and you share your story, they'll be interested because your story, if you know Christ, 
leads to the story about Jesus Christ. Nathan, thank you for taking us through this today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions on the American Family Radio Network. Thank you, and be on mission for God.